want to begin this morning by telling you a story about a young woman named Lisa. Uh, that's not her real name, but this is her real story. Lisa is somebody who grew up in foster care right here in Cleveland, Ohio. And once she aged out of the system, she was given some assistance by some loving people to go and find a house that she could live in and to raise uh, her two children and, and pretty much had a stable life until one day the basement flooded of her rented home. She called the landlord who lived in a different state and you could say pretty much that he is a slumlord. He called somebody out to be concerned about the house and this person said, you know, actually, there's toxic mold in this home. And, but he refused, really, to take care of the bigger issue. And, and so uh, a week or two after this, Lisa's children began to have respiratory issues because the water exacerbated the mold in the home. So she had to take him to the hospital. And when she took him to the hospital, they, 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 they tried to help. But what they told her is, if you take her, these kids back to that home, uh, we may have to even intervene with child services. And so here's, here's Lisa. You know, she doesn't have family that she's well-connected to because she's a foster kid. She can't go back to the house that she's still paying rent on. What is she going to do? So she goes to a motel and continues to live out of this motel as long as the money holds out. And then when the money gave out, she lived in this car with her two children. Now you and I, especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you, you, you go, you know what, that's not right. You're, my heart breaks for someone like Lisa who you know, really did not get a, a, an easy situation in life. And, and, and my heart aches for her. Um, there is a word that the Bible uses to describe that ache within our hearts. Um, but it might be a little bit surprising to you when you hear it. It's the word justice. Now, I can almost hear it. Here's what happens in the hearts of some people, probably not you, probably the person sitting next to you, okay? Here's what happens when I say the word justice, is many people kind of do this. Why? I'll tell you historically in a minute, but especially if I say social justice. Here's why. So historically, at the turn of the 20th century, there was a number of Christians who kind of said, you know what? I'm not sure that we can trust the scriptures anymore because they're written by these ancient people and now with science taking such precedent, I'm not sure that we can really trust them anymore. That group of people became today what we would call the liberal part of the church. The other side of the church started to say, wait a minute, we can't just focus on the neighborly love. We also have to take care of the vertical there is a God. He has revealed himself in the scriptures. Therefore, we can't give up on that. And so they adopted fundamentals. This is where the fundamentalists came from. And so the, the scholars call this the liberal and fundamentalist divide. Our tribe grew up from this fundamentalist side of things. I think we're a little healthier today. But that divide has remained with us ever since, and frankly, even in politics, okay, which is, 
the, oh no, the liberal people are the ones who go and take care of the justice issues. We're the spiritual side of things. You see, but there's a problem with that. You see, because the scripture says, do both. Love the people around you. Love your neighbor and love God vertically. And so I want us to recover a biblical understanding of this word and what it means for us to re-embrace this idea of justice. Not what the culture says, not what somehow it brings a reaction in my heart, not what some politician or some political system says, what God says this morning. And you know, the problem is, despite its prominence all throughout scripture, we've, we, many Christians don't understand it what justice is, what it really means for us to participate and, and do justice. And here's the real issue, young people. Young people particularly, and if you're here, you're probably gonna say, man, yeah, that's it. Young people get this, and they say, I wanna make a difference in this world. I'm not just interested in going to heaven when I die. That's a good thing. I'm interested, in, I wanna make a difference in this world. And the church, gets left behind because we're talking about other stuff, but the younger people go, well, if the church isn't gonna do it, I'm gonna go out and do it, and they associate themselves with secular organizations that do justice in ways that may not always be biblical. So the church has to recover the scriptural model here. We've been talking for these last number of weeks, what does it mean for us to not just believe the gospel, but to do the gospel? What does it mean to live the gospel out in our lives? And so today we're going to talk about this biblical, beautiful word of justice. Now the verse that's probably best known in all of the Bible about justice is Micah 6.8. Maybe you know it. He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and walk humbly with your God. And it's this right here. We don't just talk about justice we don't just think, oh, that's an interesting concept. God says, go do justice. And so here's what we're gonna do today. First of all, I'm gonna, we're gonna clarify, what is justice? Let, let's not, let's make sure that we reclaim this word. And, and then we're gonna talk about what, what does it mean for us to do justice? And then finally, the scope. To whom? To whom are we, we called to do this, all right? So there's your roadmap for those of you who like roadmaps. Let's go and we'll take care of this first one. Okay, so what is justice? I asked the staff the other day, so what came to your mind when I say the word justice? And somebody said, superheroes, okay? Well, it's right, okay? Somebody, there's a damsel in distress. Somebody is having injustice, you know, happening to them. Superhero swoops in, helps them, right? Rights the wrong. And in our Western mindset, we often think of the individual. The individual who has something wrong and something needs to be righted. Now that's not wrong, okay, that, that's correct, but it's not as robust, it's not as big as what the Bible wants us to think of when we think of justice. Justice is more than just individual rights. When the Bible talks about justice, it talks about the big picture. And so if you're gonna understand biblical understanding of uh, justice, you've gotta go back to a word we introduced a few weeks ago, which is this biblical word, shalom. Shalom means peace, but again, it's not the absence of conflict. That's part of it. It means harmony. 
everything cohesively in harmony. And justice really is an understanding of God bringing his shalom to the earth. And when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are praying for God's shalom to come to earth. And so if you, you want to think about this a little more clearly, think about your body. When you feel well and you're healthy, you have physical shalom. But if you develop cancer, well, suddenly you no longer have physical shalom. Or maybe psychologically, you know, when things are going well and, and you're able to think rationally and you're able to uh, think clearly, but then maybe you become depressed. Or, or even worse, uh, you begin to suffer from mental illness. Well, then you, you stop experiencing psychological shalom. And so a biblical understanding of shalom views the whole of our society kind of like a body. And when there's unemployment, there's a lack of economic shalom. When there's racial tension or the poor are neglected, then there's societal shalom. When there's divorce and there's family discord, there's a lack of family shalom. Okay, so here, if shalom is this flourishing in all dimensions of life, uh, economically, spiritually, socially, physically, Okay, here's what justice is. Justice is this God-given ache within every one of us that recognizes the brokenness of the world. I ache because I see it. And, and, and it says, I want there to be healing. I want there to be shalom there. You see, the Spirit of God resonates with you and says, it was never meant to be this way. It was never meant to be this way. And so therefore, there should be a healing that comes into the whole of it. So what is justice? It's this God-given ache within us that says there should be shalom. And justice then is love in action. It's taking action, especially for those who are marginalized. All right, so if that's what justice is, what does it mean to do justice? If you have your Bible with you, I want to point us to a longer passage of Scripture. I can't have it all up on the screen at once. So if you're here or at home, take out your Bible and turn with me over to Isaiah chapter 58. This is such a convicting passage, and my guess is most of us haven't seen this, or we've not seen it in a long while, because this is a tough passage. I'd even encourage you with your community groups this week, uh, in your gospel and life study, take some extra time on this. So Isaiah chapter 58, starting in verse 1. It's a long passage, so stick with me, okay? Shout it out loud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. And why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you've not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. 
Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind, or is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Here it is. To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Okay, so what, what's clear is he's writing here. Who's he writing to? He's writing to the people of God, and they are diligent about wanting to worship God. They, they take seriously coming together for worship. They take seriously this idea of uh, God's word, they, they, but still, they say something is wrong. Something's right, right. They, they come to God and say, why, why do you seem so withdrawn from us? Have we not fasted? Have we not prayed? Do you ever feel this way? And then God responds and he says, well, yes, you fast, but on the same day you go out and you have fights with each other. And then you go out and you exploit your workers. You bow your head in ashes and sackcloth for one day, but what about the rest of the week? Right? Now, if you've been paying attention for the last couple of weeks when we've been talking about the gospel in life, isn't this exactly what we've been talking about? We've been saying that the gospel is not something we just celebrate on Sunday or with our families. The gospel is something that is to permeate the whole of our lives and then penetrate society as we go out. You know, it, it, it changes everything. And this is what God has to say about the true worship that he desires. What is it? It incorporates justice. It's loose the chains of injustice. What does that mean? Well, untie the cords of the yoke. Set the oppressed free. Share food with the hungry. See the naked and clothe them and take care of the foreigner. Now look, God is not a red or blue person. And I don't care what your politics are. He is the king. And this is what the church is supposed to be about. We are to tell people about Jesus Christ and how to reconnect with their creator and to do these matters of justice. If we're not, we're the liberals because we're not following scripture. Do you see? Now, unless you think this is somehow just an Old Testament passage, Jesus picks up on this exact passage later when he talks in Matthew 25 and he says at the end of time there's going to be a judgment did you know this we will all stand before the judgment throne and God says I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats the righteous from the unrighteous those who are saved those who are not and he says this Matthew 25 41 then he will say to those on his left depart from me you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty 
and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So you see what Jesus is saying here? He's saying that as we do these things to the poor, to the marginalized, to the widowed, we're doing it to him. And he's saying that if you don't do these things, you may think that you have a healthy relationship with God, but if we're not doing these things, maybe it's not as healthy as you think. You see, because true faith always spurs on to action. And dare I say, it spurs on toward a drive toward justice. Now, you may not have this fully in your life yet, but I'm telling you, if it's not there, if there's not an ache in your life that says, oh my goodness, it just breaks my heart to see this, to see that people don't know Jesus, yes, but also for the Lisas who are out there, who don't, who, <laughs> who have no ability to get out of this cycle of pain. It was never meant to be this way. So, just to be clear, okay, I want to make sure we're crystal clear. It is not these deeds that earn our salvation, okay, but it's these deeds that show our salvation. This, it's these deeds that demonstrate our faith. And if we don't have these deeds, as Jesus just said, then we've got to question whether or not we truly have a saving faith. Right? Okay, so to summarize, what's justice? Justice is love and action, to heal and bring about shalom. And what does it mean to do justice? Well, it, it means to put love into action, especially through deeds of compassion and service. And let me say, okay, pause right here. This is why we are putting together, there's a team of people right now who have been meeting for the last four or five months to discuss what it's going to mean to bridge better our church to the city. This is why we are sending missionaries to the city to be there for a long term. We're calling it a church plant, but really it's a bridge. We're going to bridge together these two places so that we can connect the suburb to the city. So that we can not just be a church that simply talks about Jesus and his salvation, but we seek justice and mercy to do this even as God has commanded. All right. So... I said what justice is. We talked about it means to do justice, but to whom? I mean, you look, okay, Tom Nate, look, I got so much going on in this pandemic. You're talking about psychological shalom? Right, okay. This is, it's tough, man. I mean, it's a heavy thing. Every day you're taking, you know, you got to pull out an actuarial table to say, can I go to the grocery store? I mean, it's, it weighs on us, right? So who, who am I supposed to do justice to? Somebody asked Jesus a similar question. He goes, ah, yeah, that reminds me of a story. There was a man who was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was mugged on the way. They stripped him, and they beat him, and they took everything he had. 
And along came a priest. The priest walked by. Along came a Levite. He walked by too. But then a Samaritan came. Okay, now Samaritan, wrong ethnicity, wrong religion. He's not a church guy, right? He stops. He's the one who cares for this person. He's the one who nurses, takes him back to the inn, gives money, and says, I, I, God, I can't just walk by this. And the religious person who asked the question, Jesus said, well, okay, which one is the neighbor? And he can't even get himself to say the word Samaritan. So he says the third one. And Jesus says, right. Now you go and do the same. Now here, every one of us wants to circumscribe and say, okay, where's my, <laughs> where's my responsibility? And Jesus refuses to circumscribe and say, but you're not responsible for your neighbor. You're not responsible for that person. No, we are. Because we're the church. We are God's hope for the world. And if the church is not caring for people like Lisa, you want to trust social services to do this? You see, because Lisa doesn't just need a house. She needs an eternal house, right? But as we provide this house, we can give her a, an example, a beautiful picture of the Father's house one day. You see, this is what we are called to be about. We should go out of our way beyond our typical neighbor relationships to establish a neighbor relationship where one didn't exist before. This Samaritan didn't know this guy. He had no obligation. In fact, he is a Samaritan. The guy's a Jew. The right thing in their culture would have been to just walk by. But Jesus says, make a relationship, a neighbor relationship where one didn't exist. We've been talking about this oikos idea, right? That we all have um, 8 to 15 or so people in our lives that they know you, they trust you, and still, yes, that's the place where you're going to have the most effective opportunity to share the gospel and put it on display. But that doesn't alleviate us from doing justice with people who are in the city that I haven't met yet. You see, God wants us to make sure that we share these things in concrete and beautiful ways to make sure that we establish these neighbor relationships. So to whom? The answer is to whomever God tells you to go to. To ask God and to listen. Okay, so here, I'm going to summarize this. Again, not just doing this on a vertical or horizontal, but also vertical as well. It's both. And you're saying, Pastor, oh man, look, for the first time, this whole justice thing, I think I get it. I get it. I'm going to go. And if you take away from this and you go, now I'm just, I'm going to go do justice. Good, but if you're motivated out of a sense of guilt, it's only going to last so long. See, no matter what, you will find a way to overcome your guilt. We all do. And it, it just won't last. But what would make you into a person who does justice? Like it's a natural part of who you are. Uh, and yes, there's sacrifice always to doing this. God calls us to sacrifice for others. But what would cause me to sacrifice for the long run? To help others. And let me say, it's only the beauty of what Jesus Christ has done for you that will ever motivate you to consistently do justice. 
Let me tell you another parable that Jesus told. He said there was a king, and one day he wanted to settle up his accounts. So he calls in his servants, and there's a servant who owes him 10,000 bags of gold. Now today, that's like saying $1 billion, okay? Okay, I'm dating myself, but it's like, it's funny, okay? A lot of money. You could never pay back a billion dollars. You could live 15 lifetimes. You're not going to, you know. And then he comes in and he says, hey, look, I can't pay this back. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Please don't throw me into prison. I'll do my best to pay it back. So what's the king do? The king says, I forgive you, and I will forgive your debt. It is a huge sum of money. And this would have been sacrificial and hurt the king because it's that much money. But he says, I'll do that for you. Servant goes out into the street and he runs into somebody else who owes him a thousand silver coins. And I'm sorry, a hundred silver coins, which is more like a hundred bucks to us. And he says, you got to pay me this. I want you to pay. I need this money. And the, and the other guy says, look, be patient with me. Look, I can pay you back. I just can't get you now. And he says, no, I need it now. And so he has this guy thrown into debtor's prison to pay it back. Well, the word gets back to the king, and he says, what's up with this? I forgave you a million dollars, and you're after this guy for a hundred, and you ruined his family and disconnected. And he says, get out. Go out of my presence, and you're going to prison now. So here's the point. Do you realize who that servant is? You and I are that servant. You have been forgiven an insurmountable debt. You owed the Lord because of your injustice and my injustice, an unpayable amount of money. You could never have paid this back. And Jesus Christ came and he said, I forgive you, and he paid the cost for you. He took the injustice. He took the cost that you and I deserve. And so now what's our reaction? We go out and we show mercy to others in the same way that Jesus Christ did for us. Jesus came to come and repair the fabric. He called it the kingdom of God. And he said, I want this thing to be like it was supposed to be. Will you come and join me? Will you join this movement to make this world something beautiful and tell people about the Father who loves them dearly, no matter what they've done? He wants to repair that relationship and bring relational shalom with the Father. And also, we want to bring shalom to the people who are hurting around us. That's the kingdom of God. Justice. Will you join in? You see, until you see the beauty of Jesus Christ and see what he's done for you, you'll never have resources deep enough to continue to do justice. But if you continually look and see what Jesus has done for you, it will give you the deepest well that you will overflow with the rivers of life, is what Jesus says. He will give you beyond what you can do personally to be able to love others. Now, you guys are a practical bunch of people. So am I, frankly. And you look out, and especially during this time, and you go, you know what? Look, Mark, some of these injustices, they are systematic. I mean, this is not like small stuff. Agreed. So what difference can I make? There's a little boy, he's walking along the ocean with his grandfather, and there had just been a storm. And onto the beach were washed up all these starfish. 
And the little boy takes the starfish, tosses one back into the ocean. He does another, and his grandfather says, look, there's literally thousands of these things here. You can't really make a dent in it. You're not going to make a difference. And the little boy says, he picks up another one, throws it back in. I made a difference in that one. Right? Now, maybe you've heard this story before, and you're going, ah, all right. But look, it makes a good point. And you know what you also got on your side? You may not be able to systematically take down something as big as your, you know, the thing that is making you most ache. But you know what you got on your side? God! <laughs> You've got God who also has his heart broken over these things. And can you, 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 you we say it every week, do more than we can ever dare to ask or imagine by his power that is at work within you. Do you think that means that by the power that's work within you, there can be injustices in this world? That people like Lisa can have their lives changed? And you know, she did. One of my friends recognized the opportunity that God presented, and, and they stepped in and helped her in this situation. They, they found a lawyer and worked out her to be able to get out of that home, and now she's back in a, a safe place with her children and doing well. We may not have the social capital and the resources to change all of life's challenges, but God calls us to the one or to the one place. And so that's how I want to end this today. Yes, justice is healing the fabric, the torn fabric of society, putting love into action, not just to somebody who's in my family or in my neighborhood, but to whomever God calls you to go. And so for you today, who is God calling you to neighbor? To, to be the person who reaches out and cares for them. Now, maybe it's somebody who's right in your path, but maybe it's somebody that God is calling you to step out and out of your comfort zone. Maybe it's something that God is even calling you to make a sacrifice for. Because again, Jesus is the one who took the injustice that we deserved. Jesus is the one who became oppressed. Jesus is the one who paid the price for us. Where is God calling you to be Jesus? I want to give you a gift. Normally I pray right here. I want you to have some time personally with the Lord. Have some time and just ask him that question. Where is it, Lord, that you want me to do justice? And listen to what he tells you. Let's take some time together with him.